No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. So I am hoping you guys are all ready for an awesome tax season. We are going uh, strong. IRS will actually open e-file officially when I know a lot of companies are preparing, including ourselves, but we actually end up putting them in queue. But bottom line is January 24th is when you will be able to actually e-file your tax return. So if you are working on your own online or anything like that, you will be able to get an official acceptance from the IRS on January 24th. Do again expect if you are filing early, there's a couple things they're warning people. One, make sure you don't miss any information. This year is going to be a little simpler and a couple different reasons. Um, one, we don't have all the stimulus and the advanced child uh, credits. That's going to get back to a bit of normal, but the child credit, of course, is back down as well to the 2000 instead of the thirty-five dollars or $3,000, depending on the age of your children. So some of you that may had a large refund in the last year or two do to the stimulus and or child additional credits may find your, your, your refund to be less than what you had in the past couple of years. Um, you may also find that um, the 1099Ks, they extended that to 2023. So many of you that were worried about um, eBay and uh, having those shops and different things like that, you may find that you're not going to receive that 1099K. That was part of one of the adjustments they made under the Secure Act, and um, they they extended that out to um, to the next year. So that will be something we will be still having to face in 2023. But they did extend it out to us, so it might be a, a benefit as well for many people that just weren't sure exactly how that was going to work. Um, we are going to make sure that if you have any stock sales, if you sold any real estate, if you started a business, if you've changed the business, you closed the business, um, just make sure you put a little thought because a lot of times people think, okay, I've only got my W-2, but sometimes other things happen uh, throughout the year. And, and if you don't actually have that information or, you know, don't file your taxes. I know it always looks like you're going to get a great refund. Therefore, you know, I'm going to file it so I can get my money fast. But, you know, there is penalties assessed when you don't file the taxes correctly. Um, most of the time, um, simple things like stock sales, forgot to put in my portfolio. And keep in mind, if you are a cryptocurrency individual that is dealing with selling cryptocurrency, and that is not just selling it back to US dollars, but maybe you went from Bitcoin to lithium to something else. Anytime you've changed the type of coin that you owned, then that is considered a sale. 
So um, again, people have a tendency to jump within different cryptocurrencies within their wallets. Make sure you have a paper trail. That is a legitimate sale. That's no different than if I went and sold Tesla and brought IBM. It's the same thing. It's buying and selling something to exchange for something else. Same thing goes with gold and, and precious metals. I've got quite a few people now that are kind of dabbling in precious metals or foreign currencies. Um, Again, you know, and sometimes people are like, well, no one really knows, especially in the world of crypto. Everything is supposedly high tech and super under the table kind of stuff. And I'm going to be honest, I like to sleep at night, guys. I like to make sure when I file my taxes to the best of my ability, I have done what I can do. I really don't want to wait for the IRS to come back five years later and then audit because that's considered fraud if you don't put information on your tax return, especially if it's more than 25% of your um, taxable income. And so if they come back, they can go back 10 years. I don't want that kind of headache. I'll be honest with you. I really, really do not want that kind of headache. So if you have that kind of situation, let's make sure we're filing what we need to file when we file it. So that way we can sleep well at night. If you want to join the show, you can. 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986 is the number live here in the studio. So if you've got questions, maybe you're thinking about doing something with your own personal taxes, getting things done, this is the time to ask the questions because I'll be quite honest, um, we're getting full. We're, you know, it's only January and I'm blessed. I have a lot of people that like me to do their taxes. And so getting into my office and actually getting tax preparation is going to be harder and harder every year because, you know, I, I like to do my own client's taxes. I'm not a big one on sharing it with other individuals. So if you have a question on that, here's the show you want to ask the question. If nothing else, we can send you in the right direction and we can do what we need to do. All right, Lavidius, let's see if we can get Lynn on the line. Hey, Lynn, what can I do for you? Yes. Is this uh, Lynn? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. Okay. I got a quick question. Um, what I'm doing, my uh, mother, she lives with me and I'm a power of attorney and I'm want to purchase her home. Um, it, it hasn't been lived in for a while. It, it's in a little disarray and needs to repair. I'm purchasing a home and going to fix it back up and most likely rent it out to family members, whoever wants to rent it. But my deal is how do I do that for our taxes? Do I need to, how do I find the cost basis of it? And, and, and well, I mean, a couple different things you might want to consider, Lynn. One could be that um, you do the fix-up and mom keeps it in her, and then when, when she passes away, you would inherit it at the current value. Um, and, you know, and you just turn it into rental income in which you could use either for her or you could be the renter and, you know, maintain all the income coming and going, but, you know, not to buy the house. Otherwise, you'd have to buy it at fair market value or mom could gift it to you at the value she paid for the house. These are options you might want to talk to um, an attorney to make sure that the, you know, if mom is in, even though you've got power of attorney. Um, you might want to make sure, is there other family member, other family children that could be affected by yeah. you buying this house out of the estate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. So then I would probably um, 
I would probably get a couple extra documents handled uh, to make sure, because what you don't want is, gosh forbid, something happens to mom, then the other siblings come back and say, hey, you you took this from mom when you were, you know, power of attorney, you took advantage of the power of attorney, that kind of thing. You know, now, we, if you can prove you agreement. paid- They all we all talk, talk about doing this. They don't okay. want to fix it up, or they want to keep it in a family, but they don't want the financial deal to fix it up, because it needs a lot of work. Right. Well, then what you need to probably have them do is what I would do is I would get a fair market value of the house at right now, what it's worth if it was going to be sold fast sale, you know, I mean, not not if someone put money into it, but if it was just sold on the street without any of the repairs and have them all sign off an agreement that that's the amount you're going to pay mom and then mom can Mm -hmm. use that money or whatever. But at this point, then you would have the value that you pay for it at a fair market value. Um, because theoretically, if they sold it on the street tomorrow, you know, on the marketplace, and right now things aren't selling as much as they would have two yeah. or three months ago. You know what I'm saying? Market I, values I are coming couple, down. I have a couple of estimates how much, well, not estimates, actually close to people they'll pay this much for as is. I got yeah. a couple of those and just take that amount or, you know, well, yes. divide, you know, whatever. That's what I would take. I would take that thing. amount and I would put together a contract and I would have the siblings agree to that dollar amount. So it doesn't come and bite you. Cause once you start putting money in that house and you fix it up and then they come back and say, well, you know, you did that for mom and whatever, you know, gosh forbid, you don't want that to come back after you've made all that extra investment into it. You need it understood before that happens uh, to protect yourself. Okay, then uh, I guess I need to talk to a lawyer. Yeah, I would, I would just have something very simply and then notarized by the, the siblings. So that way you don't have to, um, you don't want to, my, my concern is in my office sometimes we'll, we'll see where everyone says, oh yeah, they agree, but then something happens to the parent and then it becomes part of the estate. And then the people are like, oh wait, you took advantage. You did, even though, you know, that wasn't the conversation, but there was nothing in writing. So I'm going to suggest having it all in writing. So that way yeah, they know what's going to be. And you, you then have that property in your name titled in your name and it's out of the estate. They can't do anything after that. Okay. That's, that's what I need to know. All right. You got it. You. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. Let's hit Kim real quick. Kim, what can I do for you, sweetie? Yes. Um, thank you for taking my call. I was wondering, do you know anything about, um, you know, Congress had set that limit of $600 for income earned mm-hmm. from like eBay or Macari or, right. you know, Facebook Marketplace. Are they still going to do that? They are, but they now, did the- push it. They were mandating it to happen for the year of 2022. They changed the mandate, giving us another year. So now it's mandated for 2023. Do you think it'll actually happen now that uh, the Republicans have taken? Yeah, I hope not. I'm hoping that that was enough to extend it out. And now if we can get enough common minds thinking about real business and what's truly a business and what's truly just people selling household things and stuff like that, at least before it was like 200 transactions or $20,000, you know, then this was a huge change. Now it's 600 could be one transaction, you know? Um, Exactly. Maybe someplace in the middle, you know, maybe it's going to be, you know, five or $10,000, 600 is just too low for that kind of hobby situation as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, we need to prepare uh, for it just in case. So I have a lot of my clients that, 
you know, are thinking twice about how they're receiving the money if they're doing I am too. garage I did. sales. Uh, I had it going into somebody else's account now, oh. <laughs> my yeah. life partner. Yeah, and um, I'm, one you other know, thing, but you need to switch it a little bit. I had one other thing I wanted to. Yeah, go for say. it. Yes, Kimberly. Okay, so now that they're not going to have the, uh, what is it, 87,000 yeah. IRS, IRS people, uh, they won't have the manpower to go after people who make six hundred dollars. You well, know, so it's, that's, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I think and two are things gonna are going to happen. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to know what are they going to do with all that ammo they bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're yeah all those armed IRS revenue people. I mean, most of the people, and I have to I have to put a small shout out today. I was working in my office before the show, and I had a tax advocate call me on a Saturday, which I will tell you in twenty some years I've never had a revenue officer call me on a Saturday to resolve an issue because she was running behind, and actually she called for another agent that had had been sick. So. Um, not all revenue people, but this is the advocate's office, which I do love and adore versus regular collections. That being said, Apparently they love you I too. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think um, the, the, the question is going to be this. I think they're going to have in the last five or six years, we have a ton of what we refer to as paper audits, which is basically a computer going in, wiping out all the expenses. And then we have to come back and justify the tax return. So I think that may have more of that then we're going to have face-to-face like we used to have um, issues because, and I mean, I'll be honest, that's why I go to the tax advocate office all the time because they actually open up a case where I have a human to talk to and I can resolve an issue and they go to the, because a computer I can't talk to, I can't get anything resolved. Um, So I think they're going to, I mean, I'm hoping they do honestly hire some, I don't think guns are required. I just think the being able to answer a phone is totally all that's required and a little training so they understand tax law, but um, I'm with you. I, I think, they're going to have to reevaluate what they're considering important because collections is collections and they're going to need to do collections, um, you know, because that's where the government gets their money. But, right, um, right. but, but $600 I mean, I that, going but I mean, after somebody that makes, yeah. even makes 20 or 30. I mean, if you owe the IRS less than 25,000, they consider that basically a wash. I mean, they basically can collect that in 10 years. There's really no negotiating. It's straightforward. So those kind of cases are pretty, I mean, they're not going to, what's the purpose in chasing that person? I mean, I'm just being honest. They're going to put the money into people that owe 50, 70, 100, 200, a million. Um, that's where they're going to need to be concentrating on for collections so they can well, actually collect Well, that's good because uh, here in Tennessee, you show up with a gun and you're the government. I think that's <laughs> hostile. And that might well, not go over too good. So, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm totally, no, I'm totally, but the, they have to be careful in Tennessee because a lot of us are proud carrying gun holders also. You, um, right. And you come at my door with a gun, you might be met with a gun. Um, and that's exactly. not going to ever be a good thing. Just saying, you no, know, it, I mean, it, it that's really kind of not inviting really not. trouble that yeah. we don't need to do. But Kimberly, thank you for calling and we thank will talk so later. All right. All we're right, going to take our great, first thanks. break. And you can uh, reach us here on the show, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty, we are back here live in studio. And you can reach us if you want, 615 737 
9986-615-737-9986. And let's hit Rob in Nashville. Hey, Rob, what can I do for you, sweetie? Hey, Dr. Friday. Uh, I'm overwhelmed with tax questions. I started doing it myself with TurboTax. I realized that I know just enough to be dangerous. Real quick, I mailed in my taxes last April, and then I got a refund for like $200. I said, oh, that's great. I said I overpaid. Then I was redoing my taxes for the coming up year, and I realized mm-hmm. I left a uh, Roth conversion out. So I owed him money. So mm-hmm. I sent in an amendment and paid him more money. Mm-hmm. And TurboTax said the first time I had to pay quarterly statements of 6000 Now it says 7000 And I just don't know how much to send in because it's due on the 17th of January. And I recently retired. So that kind of well, messes up. The- I guess – one quick question, Rob, is did you do the Roth conversion in 2022 or 2021? Uh, was that a 2021 situation? It, it was 2021. Oh, I had a Schwab account, and I forgot to do it last year, and I realized it. So I, I so you money. amended 2021, and then you paid them. So in 2022, did you have like a real job and then retire part way through the year, or were you retired in 2022? 2022, I retired officially in March. And then okay. I converted the rest of my wife's IRA. Okay. And uh, I owe a ton of money on that. All right. So um, at this point, your best bet, I mean, you have two options. You either pay in 110% or you make your estimates based on what you owed in 2021 with the conversion. Is the conversion that you're going to do in 2022 on your wife pretty much the same as what you did in 2021? No, it's different. Uh, 21 I mean, was it- only... It was like 25,000, yeah. 21, 22, it's like $300,000. Oh, and you converted the whole thing? Yep. My goodness, you're a crazy man. All right. Um, so, well, that's I what mean, it, income was. That's what my income was before I retired. So I figured. Yeah, I see what your thought was, but we probably could have done that over a period of time because you didn't need 100% of your income. I'm assuming one of the reasons you retired was because you have ability to retire. I could be totally off bench there. So who knows? But at this point, your best bet is whatever your total amount due in 2021, and then you need to add 10% and you need to send that all in by January 17th. So let's just say in 2021 with the the smaller Roth conversion, you needed to pay in $10,000 for the whole year. I'm just throwing a number. So I would pay okay. in 10% more, which would then be $11,000 you need to have sent in by January 17th. Because as long as you pay in 110% of the year before, the penalty doesn't exist. What they're looking for is to make sure you're making the same amount from the year before. Sometimes in your case, this will work out great because you actually did a larger conversion, which you probably owe three, four times this amount, but you don't know how much exactly you owe because you haven't finished your taxes yet. So yeah, if you know, you could do a rough estimate and send in more. I mean, you know, if you know that it's going to be a minimum, I mean, minimum of 10% on a $300,000 conversion, you're going to owe minimum of 30. I mean, most likely you're going to owe them a 60. I mean, just throwing the number out there, but in that ballpark, you're going to owe in taxes on a Roth conversion at 300,000, 250 of it's going to be at, well, 12% and then another 22% for the next. And then you're going to, so yeah, you know, probably 20% easy just on that besides what other income you had. 
Um, so you can it's, easily it's rob, grab. Huh? It's nerve wracking. That's why I want to come in and see you. <laughs> okay. Well, after the show or just whatever, you can text my main number that we put out on the thing, or you can give me a um, email at Friday at DR Friday, and we'll get you in here, and then we'll figure out what we need to do before. Um, don't know if we can do it before the seventeenth, but we'll get you in to give you a rough estimate very quickly. Okay. Well, I was going to overpay it, like you said, and get yeah. it in the in the mail That's and smart. worry about it. Get, get us something thrown in there, and then we can figure out the exact amount. What I don't want to happen is you to overpay and then have to wait for a refund. You know what I mean? I want to get close, but I don't want to ever overpay the IRS if I can help it. I I always wind up owing them money every year, and I haven't figured it out. Like I said, I know enough to be dangerous. That's why I want to come in yeah. and see you. Well, we'll we'll get together and get you the right numbers, but right now at least pay in 110% of 2021 minimum. Okay. Thanks, Thanks boss. Dr. Friday. Bye. Yes, ma'am. All righty. So again, if you want to join the show, sorry, that one probably got a little too in depth, but that's the kind of stuff I enjoy doing is crunching the numbers and figuring out how to do it. I probably would have maybe tried to stretch the 300 over a two-year conversion, but you know what? Sometimes with the market going down and I'm not a financial planner, so sometimes it may have been smarter for him to do it while the market was low. So it would recap under the Roth, which means it's growing tax-free. So he converted it when it was less, and then it will grow at a higher rate. A lot of people are firm believers of that. So if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We'll take your call here in the studios. So another thing that happened on the Secured Act 2.0, which... You know, they always love to throw all this stuff. Most of the stuff for the Secure Act 2.0, to be quite honest, really wasn't affecting the day-to-day -day tax situation that we deal with, more financial planning or estate planning. But one of the things was for all of my people that are that were 72 by the end, um, uh, anyone that turned 72 after 2022, you now have... Um, you don't have to take your RMDs or your requirement on distributions until 75. So it says here, um, if you are the owner of an account who turns 72 after the year of 22, if you turn 72 in 22, you must start taking your RMDs by April 1st. The RMDs are triggered then to raise to 75 in 2033. 50%. Oh, here's another great thing. Another memo they put out, which I think is great. Um, if you don't take your RMD and a lot of times they, people rely on their financial planners to help them or the organizations that handle their, um, their 401ks and their IRAs. But we all know we used to be 70 and a half. It went to 72. Now it's 73 and it's going to go up to 75. Anyways, if you don't take it because a mistake is made, there's a 50% penalty. Now, again, I will give some, caveat to the fact that we have had several cases where we have been able to get that way, but there's no guarantee that will ever happen. They changed the 50% penalty now down to 10% for not taking it, which is, I don't know, a more appropriate situation. Um, so that is something you really want to be able to, to do. Um, and wants to make sure that we are dealing with, um, the situation on that and moving forward so well let's see lavidius let's see if we can take care of this call before so mike from the borough you're a fast typer lavidius mike from the borough let's see if i can get you in hey mike hey how you doing 
I am doing awesome. What can I do for you, sweetie? Uh, well, I was wanting to check out a uh, electrical and plumbing business and was wanting to find someone, someone else. I have someone do it now, but I, I wanted to find someone that would take over, you know, like all the aspects would come with running the business and was trying to right. find you out to your main number or some way I can get in touch with you during the week. Correct. And uh, hopefully, if you've emailed or texted me in the past, hopefully we've got all those corrected. I played hooky for a while till the 5th of January, and I'll tell you um, some of the things got messed up. But, Mike, that being said, yes, you can. Uh, the number that I give out, 615 367 0819, that's my main office. That's also a cell phone, so you can text or email to the, the Friday at DR Friday. But any of those numbers you can contact and we can get together and tell you about what our bookkeeping service, my brother runs that division, but I can tell you about what he does, what he can help you with, and if it's going to fit what you're looking for to fit your business. Perfect. All right. Make sure I got the number, 615-367-0819. That is perfect, yes. Just give me a holler after the show or first of the week and we'll get together. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. All righty. Why don't we take our second break? And if you want to join the show, you can at 615-737-9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. All righty, we are back here live in studio, and it is tax season, people. It is time to start thinking or maybe even doing your 2022 tax returns. Many of us may not have all the forms available yet. They still haven't approved all of the forms, but you can certainly get in there and start preparing and doing tax worksheets, making sure uh, on our website, drfriday.com, there is a free tax organizer. If you want to download one, even if you don't use our service, it gives you something to start with, making sure you're not forgetting tax documents or asking yourself questions about rentals or Airbnbs or any of that kind of situation to make sure you're maximizing tax deductions against what you're doing. And again, I know I talk a lot about it, but there has been in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of exchange of, of, of properties, people buying, selling, some people getting into flips, doing partnerships with friends and family. How and does that affect your taxes? And what do you do with it when it's on your tax return? Should you be paying its capital gains or is it actually ordinary income? Are you making estimated payments? The government does charge a penalty for all of you that are self-employed and choose not to make quarterly payments. Um, there are some ways around some of that, right? You can do some of that through, um, like ourselves, I'm a corporation, so I have extra come out of my paycheck to compensate for quarterly. So as long as I pay in enough with my payroll, I don't have to worry about making quarterlies. Not everyone has that. And if you're a single member LLC or a sole proprietorship, you can't put yourself on payroll and you don't want to put yourself on payroll. So many people come in and they're like, oh, I was told to make myself a sub S because I can do this. Or I was told I should become a partnership and I can do this. Different things. Well, a single member or even a partnership um, tax return. If you're a partner in an LLC, unless that LLC is a corporation, you should not be paying 
um, yourself or treating yourself on a W-2. Now I will say there are situations where sometimes people just are horrible at dealing with uh, taxes, but the problem is you're paying extra social security and Medicare if you're doing payroll. Now, every business is, should be doing, I mean, you can't make a business without making some money. Otherwise you're not really in business, right? You're kind of just surviving. Uh, but if you're in a business that you're actually trying to make a profit and making money at, then you're going to have a profit at the end of the year. Now, if you're a profit on a sole proprietorship, you're going to get credit for 50% of Social Security and Medicare, and then you're going to pay your share. So theoretically, you're only paying half Social Security and Medicare to a person that owns their own corporation and is on payroll because a company pays a share and the employee pays a share. So you're paying more in taxes when you do payroll. It's about 10% more because you have Social Security, Medicare, and you also have the unemployment of state and federal. So it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't because, again, I treat myself as a W-2. We work as a corporation and I find that to be beneficial for my situation. Not for everyone. You need to sit down, but don't want to also get into the game of misclassifying an employee. That is huge. If you want to talk about where the IRS has found a way of, of getting money, they have done a ton of audits on misclassification, especially the Federal Department of Labor. They have gotten into doing quite a bit of this. And basically all they're saying is, hey, I run a construction business and I pick up a crew and they get in my truck or they drive their own truck, but they do what I tell them all day. They go in there, they put up drywall, they framing, doesn't make a difference. You're a roofer. Whatever that those people are doing, you're telling them, you're supplying them with the supplies. They're then going to, they don't have a business license. They don't have work comp. They don't have anything saying that they're in business or do they work for someone else showing that they're doing the same job for multiple companies? Guess what? That's misclassification. If you don't have them on a W-2, if you're 1099 in these individuals, you are misclassifying those individuals. I know it's it's what a lot of people think it's cheaper, it's easier, but the fines and penalties, if you are caught, you may think uh, twice about that because they are quite hefty if you misclassify an employee by doing something like that. And then I will say in the world of construction, I think the IRS has found the most, but I have restaurants that will 1099 individuals. I have come across... Um, quite a few different things, even um, gyms or um, yoga studios, things like that. They have come down. And unless a yoga teacher is teaching at multiple studios on different days and they even do private lessons and things where they can show that they are truly. And one of the biggest things on that one, we got went to a big audit on that one about five years ago or so. But one of the biggest things that saved us in most cases is that the the instructors carried their own insurance and were working at multiple studios. Now, if you don't have that, because a lot of times it's really just a um, person that's just doing a couple classes a week so that they can do classes. And a lot of times they kind of teach on the side. That is a person that is truly your employee. You're providing them the studio. You're telling them that they have to teach a class at this time. Um, you may even be telling them what type of class they have to teach. So again, if you are a self-employed individual and you have people that you pick up or do things or have work for you, you uh, can't say you haven't been notified, at least by Dr. Friday. I am telling you that there is misclassification if you are not treating those people as employees 
unless they are truly subcontractors. Subcontractor means they do it for multiple businesses. A subcontractor means they provide all of their own tools and equipment. A subcontractor means they carry their own work comp, business license, have business cards, and actually promote the service that they're doing. This is the kind of thing you need to have. If you just picked up someone and you're putting them in there and you're saying, hey, let's come out and let's do this all week or all month or whatever you choose them, they've been working for you for a period of time, they are truly an employee and therefore um, the state or the federal Department of Labor could come back and say more to you. So again, just want to make sure because there has been quite a few deductions or um, audits that have come up on that. All right, back to the 2023, some good news. Uh, the standard deduction coming, now we're in 2023. So we're going to jump up from married couples to 27,700. Um, plus another 1500 for anyone over the age of 65 single people are going to be 13,850. Um, and if you're, uh, again, if you're single claiming 15,700, if you're age 65 and up, so that's another 1500 or so head of house is going to be 20,800. And if anyone's over the age of 65, there's going to be another 1850 that will be added. If you're legally blind, you get another $1,500. So that is important. If you're going to do any kind of tax planning, you need to know because most people are not itemizing. It is more um, very difficult unless you have a, a decent mortgage. And I remember mortgage interest can only be for a home of $750,000 or less, a line of credit for $100,000 or less. Both uh, the line of credit has to have been used on the home, um, cannot be used for paying off debts or anything else, buying a car or paying a college for your kids. That is not going to be a line of credit that is a tax deduction. I will say another thing that came out of the Secured Act 2.0, maybe something that will help some of you guys, is the credit for energy efficiency. Homeowners up to 30% credit for cost of certain insulation, boilers, air conditioning systems, windows, doors, et cetera. Many of you guys have always asked every year. So this is something that will come back and it's going to be a maximum of $1,200. This is for primary, but this again starts in 2023. It will not help you in the tax year we're doing now, but it will help you in 2023. So if you're thinking that maybe you have an AC unit or maybe you're wanting to insulate an attic or do some of this kind of stuff, the actual credit limit is $1,200. It um, the limit is lowered to 500 for aggregation of exterior and 600 for interior skylights and windows. So some of the things you might have been holding off on, you might want to consider looking at it. it this is going to be over um, 2023 to 2032. Um, we'll see if it stays in there, uh, but there is some efficiency. But again, it only goes in effect starting now. It was not in effect in 2022, which is the tax year we are working on. But you know what? You got to plan it if you're going to use it. So make sure that you have that kind of situation where you have uh, health savings accounts. You guys all know I am an advocate. They have now increased the health savings account to $3,850 for a single person, $7,750 for family individuals that were born before 1969 can add another $1,000. Um, and so that would be $2,000 if you're married. So that would be a great way. Keep in mind, a health savings account's a great way to reduce your taxes. And it's also a way of paying for your medical bills with pre-tax dollars instead of after-tax dollars. And that can add up, especially right now where itemizing is 
almost impossible, right? I mean, it's hard to itemize your medical when you have to meet 10% of your adjusted gross, plus you have to itemize, which means over $13,000. And it's not something that's going to kick in for a lot of people. So if you can actually pay it with pre-tax dollars, something you might want to consider in doing um, with that kind of situation. Um, Another way of of making sure that you have social security wages for any of you guys that are on W-2s will start maximizing out at $160,200. This was a huge hike, $13,200. So before you may have only had like, it was like 148. Now it's 160 before you stop paying into the social security. You'll notice that on your paycheck. So Again, one of those deals where you have the situation of making sure the Medicare surcharge, which is 0.9 for individuals and self-employed for single state at 200,000 and for married couples, 250, you know how I love those marriage penalties. Not too sure why a married couple at 250, but, uh, being single, the $200,000, then you, we kick into the 0.9 for the uh, additional Medicare tax. So we have all of those situations and then going to be more. So if you want to join the show, maybe you've got a question, you're thinking about your taxes or you're not sure about certain tax forms that might be required. All you have to do is pick up the phone. We got about six, seven minutes when we get back from this next break, 615-737-9986, will be right all righty we are back here live in studio and if you want to have a question or you want to call us here in studio you can 615-737-9986 we are running through some of the changes that have happened either in 2022 or coming into effect into 2023 from the secured act 2.0 there isn't a whole lot of things that are directly going to have an effect on everyday normal call, you know, situations. One of the things we did talk about, one of the callers, Kimberly had called in about was the revenue service delay for lower dollar thresholds of the 1099K reporting. The new rules will kick back into 2023 formally uh, form sent out basically in 2024. But for next year, the law that went into place, third party reporting, such as PayPal Square, sending out 1099Ks to payers who are paid more than 600 a year for goods and services. Reporting under this was prior was 20,000 and or 200 or more transactions. The charges which um, statutory originally went into 2022, uh, 1099K form first sent out. Now, I did get a text during um, the break or whatever, and one person said they did receive a 1099K, um, even though I'm telling you that they don't have to do it. This does not mean that they are not going to do it. And if you get a 1099K from PayPal or any of those organizations, I need to tell you right now that you do need to file or respond to it because it is not going to, um, it's, it's not going to go away and the government could audit you and they could come back and say, well, they got this paperwork because it was turned in. So if you do get a 1099K, you cannot just ignore it because I'm telling you it did not go in effect. They've already submitted it. It's gone to the government. You're going to need to reply however that's going to happen in your situation. Um, standard miles rates. Um, it is now up to 65.5 
mileage is 65.5 and 20 cents uh, for the uh, medical, uh, 22 cents for medical, 14 for charity. That is for 2023. Uh, so it's very important that we keep track of those miles because let's be honest, miles. And this year we do have a, a situation. Again, many of you may or may not know this, but in the beginning of the year, January through um, June, it was like 58.9. And then as of July 1st through December, it jumped up to 62.5. So again, we have a split year, which means you can't just go into your tax person and say, you know what? I'm uh, I'm going to just say, uh, I don't know, 30,000 miles. Well, was the 30,000 from January through December? How much of it was January through June? And then how much was July through December? Because that is very important when you're preparing a you should not be estimating your taxes that way or your or your information going through that way but it was 58.5 um for business january through june 62.5 july through december again very important to know these are huge taxes i have people that put 30 and 40,000 miles a year on a vehicle and if you don't have that information in the right place you're not going to get it and if you're just making educated guesses i will tell you one of the number one things that we see in our office people getting audited is usually people putting in a lump sum like that without documentation of knowing how they came to that number um, and it's one of the big reasons why they got rid of the 2106 which was a lot of people were taking off personal miles for going back and forth to work which is never a tax deduction from those people that were actually using their private vehicles to go from maybe they drove from home to work but then they went from this shop to this shop to this shop to this shop and that would have been a legitimate tax deduction um but the irs did a ton of audits on that and they found out more people were writing off the incorrect miles that they could claim versus others so it didn't make it kind of bad for other people um we'll see what happens in 2025 when the expiration of the current tax law and they may bring back i'm not hearing that but theoretically it could come back into the tax law so again making sure you're tracking your miles not only by totals for the year but by month very important in this year because in 2022 you're going to have a split form when you're filing your taxes if you're doing it yourself um it's going to ask how many January through June, how many July through December, um, and you're going to have a big bump, 58.5, and then up to 62.5. We are now at 65.5 in the current year. So it's a pretty good situation, and miles are always a win. But keep in mind, that is also a large audit area. So if you're tracking your miles please make sure that you're doing it. I'm suggesting Miles IQ. I don't uh, I don't get any referral from that. I just want you to have something that's going to show um, something that shows every start, every stop. The IRS does have the ability to mandate a true mileage log, which is basically starting miles. How many miles did you put in for what? Who and why did you meet that person? What was the purpose of that meeting? That's the information you need for all of those different situations. So again, just putting that out there that you need to make sure that you are tracking your miles and doing what you want and how it's going to be done. Personally, it's very, very important. Um, 
So we have that and we want to make sure we we're tracking that information. Again, if you've got a question, you can join us. We've only got a couple minutes, less than about three. And if, um, if for some reason, I know asking questions on the radio, to be quite honest with you, is never easy. And sometimes you don't get the black and white answer. I do my best to, to try to at least lead you in the right direction. But you can always email Friday at drfriday.com. We will do our best to respond to your questions or send you to someone because uh, sometimes the questions aren't really taxed. Maybe sometimes they're financial planning or they're legal questions. And we'll try to send you to someone that can answer those questions properly for you. Um, but if you uh, have a tax question and you want to you know, do it, then you can also um, text it to 615-367-0819. That is my direct phone number, 615-367-0819. That does take text and we'll do our best to, again, respond to those text messages to get um, get your answers. My whole thing of doing this for the last, what, 13, 14 years is really just to get people to think about what they can and can't do for taxes and a way to make sure that you're not doing things that you shouldn't, but also that you're not missing out on things that you should know about taxes. So, you know, just having somewhere uh, to, to ask the questions and to move forward. I would always suggest anyone that is doing their own tax return, nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing your own tax return and you've got something like um, Airbnbs or rentals or small businesses, and you're not sure, you know, anytime under those circumstances, it can't hurt to have somebody maybe review your taxes. You may have done an excellent job. I've had, you know, again, normally when I get any people coming in that have done their own tax returns, I'll be quite honest, usually it's because they've received a love letter from the IRS. The IRS is changing the tax return. We go in and we try to amend it. This kind of thing. I mean, I've got two cases that came in this last week and both of them were interestingly pretty much the same for different tax years, two different taxpayers. But um, we are dealing with those and it can take six to 12 months to deal with an amended tax return, especially if the IRS has already received an amended correction and they are, and we're not on the same page. So it, it just remember when you deal with the IRS, it is not going to be a fast process. One of the reasons I am a, uh, an advocate for the tax advocates, there you go, uh, because I find that they do their job very well and they've helped out. I mean, the last two years without having revenue representation on the phone where we can actually reach people, they have done a great job of stepping up and helping many of us with, with resolutions, which is what we're usually paid to do. So if you have a case where you're dealing with the IRS, you haven't reached a real human and you're wanting to do something, you can call our office at 615 367 0819. Again, 615 367 0819. You can also email Friday, just like the day of the week, F-R-I-D-A-Y at drfriday.com, Friday at drfriday.com. And we'll do our best to respond to those emails. And then if you have absolutely no idea who I am, you've just turned in or someone's referred you to us. Thank goodness I have great listeners and they're always referring us to somebody. You can check us out on the web, drfriday.com, drfriday.com is um, a way. And you can also send emails through there. Like I said, there's a free tax 
uh, planner on there so you can um, go ahead and start outlining your 2022 taxes as well as um, you can book an appointment if there's been available. We're getting pretty full for appointments. So if you need help, again, 615-367-0819. I hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday. Don't let the weather scare you. It's nice outside. Get out there and enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next Saturday. Call you later.